Hello and welcome to Fintech Impact. I'm your host, Jason Pereira. Just a reminder before we get started, the Plan Plus Global Financial Planning Award is now open for contestants. You can find details at planplus.com. So today on the show, I have Ian Jeffrey, CEO and co-founder of Breathe Life. Breathe Life is a technology product that helps drive traffic to insurance carriers' websites, help them to complete direct-to-consumer sales of life insurance products, as well as drive traffic for advisors all in the same facility. And with that, here's my interview with Ian. Hello, Ian. Hey, thanks for taking the time today. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for taking the time as well. My pleasure. So Ian Jeffrey, co-founder of Breathe Life. Tell us about Breathe Life. So Breathe Life is a software as a service platform that is helping secure the financial security of millions uh, on the planet. Okay. Very quick elevator pitch. All right. So basically when we talk about financial security, we're specifically talking about the distribution and marketing and support of life insurance products, correct? Yeah, that's correct. Essentially what's happened is that the industry, the life insurance industry hasn't changed in a very long time. You know, you listen to a bunch of episodes of this podcast. You've heard me complain about that in many. <laughs> it's essentially been the same for a hundred years uh, and you know that well. And the technology. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the compensation for the way in which it's been distributed hasn't changed either. Right. So it's still driven by advisors with a very similar model for compensation based on policy that are sold, et cetera, et cetera. And that's fine. Right. I don't think that has to change all that much. We can agree, we can agree to disagree on that one. That's uh, it's a debate one that I get into quite frequently. But. Right, right, right. I think that the biggest challenge, though, is that because of the costs involved in selling through those traditional channels, the industry has focused on higher net worth individuals. Right. And yeah. so. The compensation has been forcing advisors to sort of move up the food chain because by the time they, they, they sell to someone, there's a lot of cost involved in that, right? Like just the time to, to meet the candidates, understand, understand their, their needs and, and really address them and serve them properly. It's very, very expensive. Yeah. I mean, a six-figure yeah. commission application takes almost the same time as a $500 commission, right? So Exactly. And so as you know, what's happened is that's created a huge uh, gap in the market, right? The people that do need those smaller policies, like the younger families or people buying houses for the first time, they still need to, to protect themselves and protect their loved ones in case something were to happen to them. But the, the advisors aren't uh, well incentivized for that. And so essentially what we believe is that technology can help address that market, mainly that middle market that is really underserved today and that is putting the future, the financial security of, of those people at risk. So Breathe Life is a software as a solution platform that enables distributors, carriers, advisors to sell into that market and make sure that those people are well protected and getting the coverage that they need to make sure their families are, are well taken care of if something were to happen to them. Okay. So we're going to dissect that shortly, but let's yeah. talk about the journey. What made you start this company? What was your personal experience? So, Funny story. First of all, my father was uh, in the financial world and he worked uh, for Standard Life and, and all kinds of big companies in, in Canada selling group insurance. And my entire life, I said I would never work in insurance and, and here I am. But the truth is, uh, it's, it's a, a combination of a, a bunch of different things. So I've been an entrepreneur my entire life, started my first business when I was 12. And I was coming out of Password Box, which we sold to Intel in 2014. And I was looking to uh, launch something new. And I, I had three things in mind that I knew I wanted this new business to, to do. One was, as crazy as it may sound, I wanted there to be a financial transaction, right? I want people paying for it, which is not always the case in, in the startup world. I wanted the timing to be right because I've launched a few things that which are the right vision, 
uh, just too early and, and I wanted something that felt like it was really a good, good timing for this opportunity. And, and third, I wanted to have an impact. And that was potentially the, the one that was driving me the most was having an impact on people's lives. And through sort of just talking to my network, I met with, uh, with the folks of Diagram. And Diagram mentioned that they were looking at doing something in the insurance world. And I was like, oh, insurance, I don't know, blah, blah, blah. So to be clear, let's just give everybody the background. Diagram is the early stage uh, incubator or funder of Division of Portage Three Investments, who has been on the podcast on multiple occasions. But I seem to be going down their list of companies, but continue. <laughs> yeah. So they told me about this opportunity and, or this idea, and they wanted to do a direct-to-consumer path. And I started digging into that and really noticed the massive opportunity, both from from a financial standpoint, but, but mostly to, uh, to have an impact on people's lives. So I started dabbling on that and eventually decided maybe four, four or five months into it to actually do this for real and put together the founding team and started working on the original inception, which was straight to consumers. So creating a brand that would sell directly to consumers. And very quickly, we realized that we think that the bigger opportunity is more in partnering and enabling the carriers to do this type of thing than actually going head to head against them, against the advisors, against the entire industry, right? We think with our background in software, our background in user acquisition and user, ex- user experience, we can bring something really powerful to the insurance world, which they do not have today, right? Which is all that background. Of- Technology in general. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, and that's interesting. So you basically went from, you know, looking to become, for lack of a better term, a robo broker to realizing the bigger play was in infrastructure in the first place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and that that brings up an interesting question or interesting concern there, because I mean, uh, especially when a company like, like Diagram, which is largely funded by Power Financial Corporation, which owns multiple insurance companies in this country. There's one thing that brokers or, or advisors hate. It's basically when the companies that they work with start going direct to consumer, right? The channel conflict that creates is, yeah. is something that scares them, especially if there's a differential in terms of quality of experience based on the digital side. And that's something I'm starting yeah. to see kind of becoming a bigger and bigger concern with some cases. So let's talk about how you actually implement this. So you talked about a number of verticals there, specifically the carriers, the distributors, and the MGAs, uh, yeah. and then the, the brokers themselves. So what is it that your platform does uh, in its simplest sense? So there's two things, right? The platform enables all of these organizations either to to launch a self-serve solution under their own brand where consumers can come to the site and purchase simple products on their own, much like they purchase a plane ticket. That's one front. That's sort of the direct-to-consumer path. And then there's the advisor path, which is more for the advisor when he or she is selling to their potential clients. And this is a really modern, comparable to an e-app, but using all the bells and whistles of, of modern technology with really the advisor as the consumer of this product, right? How do we make his or her experience as solid as possible when they're talking to their potential? So that's really the two paths. And some of our partners want both. Mm -hmm. Some of them want one or the other, and that's fine by us, right? But really, we bring the consumer, all that consumer centricity of the software development world into the mix. In one case, the consumer is the advisor. In the other case, the consumer is the actual M buyer. Right. So what does it mean to buy a product like a life product on your mobile phone or on your desktop computer, for example? Sorry, I almost fell over when I heard on my mobile phone. Yeah, <laughs> I look forward to that day of that being possible. Oh, hey, 70 percent of our of our sales on the direct platform 
direct-to-consumer platform on mobile. Really? Yeah. That's fascinating. I'm, uh, yeah. So, you know, let's go back to the entire thing I mentioned earlier about self-service and channel conflict and certain carriers yeah. being afraid of that. I mean, I'm guessing the thinking is that just like a lot of robos or a lot of companies who are who have this robo conflict on the investment side, that they're thinking that, hey, not, someone's not going to pay for $100,000 a year premium and do it on their mobile phone and do that application. They're gonna go speak to someone. But the exactly. low-hanging fruit of the world, you know, the hey, I just got out of school and maybe I'm getting married or something like that. And I know my family said I need insurance. What I really need is something quick. I need I need a digital need analysis done and I need to basically be able to do this without it being a massive 90-day wait and pain in the butt for me. Exactly. That's where the market. So it's the it's the cases that, you know, not so much nobody wants, but the, the small cases that are that frankly need the efficiency in order to work. And yeah, it's smart that they, they're pushing that out to their advisor force. That's also smart because frankly, again, the advisors don't necessarily want to waste it, well, spend a ton of time on those cases. So that's exactly the case, right? So the, the idea here is like, we can enable company X has mm-hmm. 500 advisors in the country and they want to enable direct sales. Uh, they want to make sure that the advisors are also getting their piece of the pie. So every advisor can have their own personal branded page, right? Mm-hmm. And so one use case is, you know, an advisor's at an event. They meet a young individual who, like you just described, is coming out of school, et cetera. And they know that this person needs coverage, but it's going to be a small policy. The advisor can literally give their business card, go to my site. Everything is there. You can buy on your own. And if you need help, my phone number is there. Call me up and we'll finish the sale. But the advisor will get the commission whether or not they were involved through that process or not. So that's a way for the advisor to address this market, uh, still get their, their commission, not invest all the time, and more importantly, bring in a new person into their, into their house, right? This, this, potential, this person will, will go through more life stages, will, will grow, will need more needs over time, and they can service them through technology. And that's part of what we're trying to do here is bring in that new generation into the household, either through the advisor or directly to, to the carrier, depending on what the needs are of our clients. That's interesting. I mean, what you're doing is definitely addressing what is, de- what is definitively known as the advice gap. You know, the gap for yeah. the inability of the smaller clients, the average Joe, to get proper advice. Exactly. And I've often had this debate in various coaching sessions with people about, it's not that those clients aren't profitable. They're not profitable in the current way you do business, right? Exactly. You pair a solution like yours with a robo-advisor that puts the heavy lifting of digital discovery on the client, which is not a lot of heavy lifting. It's, it's a very streamlined approach, yeah. but it offloads that to the point where all you're doing is basically putting out fires and troubleshooting. Then, you know, those clients do become, that kind of business model does become possible. Yes. And then there are other things like we can assign leads based on different business rules. You know, for example, a carrier makes it available for the consumer to buy on their site. When the customer raises their hand because they want to speak to someone, we can put business rules around who should they speak to, which advisor based on geography, the products being sold, the language they speak, whatever you want, right? We can specialization. Yeah. Assign they can it to the needs analysis, right? That person's got a corporation, yeah. uh, you know, it's large, it's got maybe a tax issue or that, that person has a disabled child, right? Like any number of situations that make that, that would need some sort of degree of specialization. So yeah, anyone who's, anyone's not focusing on a niche in the future might be streamed out of stuff. The way we look at it, right? Like I think oftentimes conversations with advisors will, will start with them being reluctant and sort of worried that we're, we're out to take their, their lunch and, and all that kind of stuff. But that's not at all what we're trying to do, right? I think it's a common refrain. It's a yeah. common refrain in the industry. The advisors are just terrified that every yeah. robo is coming to steal their, their business. Yet meanwhile, in every conversation I have, 
without exception, just like with this one, you guys are like, I'm not trying to steal your job. I'm trying to like enable your business and, yes. you know, get rid of the frustration and make it easier for you to serve people. And yeah, exactly. everybody gets paid along the way, but it's, um, it's technology you know, is, should be an enabler of what this industry has been doing, not a disruptor. And I think the advisors who, who really latch on, get it and they end up making more money. That's what it is, right? It's about how many more free time, whatever it is. They basically, yeah. you know, those advisors squeeze a lot more efficiency out of their practices. And I, yeah. you know, when I, when I do lecture, when I lecture on this now, it's just like, you know what? You have a choice. You can be the guy who services a client and takes three hours to do everything for them. Or you can be the guy yeah. who takes 20 minutes and have and, a superior experience. And we work with advisors all the time, right? One of our investors and team members is a full-time advisor. Uh, he only sells life insurance. Uh, he's with us all the time, helping us out. Like, what should we be building? Why are we building this? Or we come up with an idea? And he's like, yeah. no way. That's not going to prove Good on you for having that on staff. You're not one of these, you know, fintechs who says, oh, well, we don't know anything about this industry, but we can figure it out better than you can. And, <laughs> right. Right. and then quickly realizes there's a mistake there. There's plenty of failures there that have happened. So well done. So, you know, we're talking about, it looks like it's, it's solely carrier specific, right? So it's not, this is not a digital advisor marketplace. The advisor still got to have some, I look at a world where maybe I, you know, deal with six carriers, five carriers predominantly, yep. and I want to use this solution. And let's say all five carriers have that, you know, I still have to have the expertise of knowing which, which one or which product to direct them to based off that. This is not a marketplace I can direct them to at this point. Exactly. So we, we work through MGAs through carriers, but we don't work directly with the advisors. So the advisors would have access to this through one of those types of organizations. So the advisor is still there saying, this is the right product for you. The advisor is still doing the, the needs analysis and, and doing their, quote unquote, their, the job that they should be doing, right? So are you able to share an example of one of those carriers you've worked with thus far and like how their advisor force has, has generally received this and, and the feedback you've gotten? Yeah, so we have a model where, uh, we're driving traffic to this carrier's website and some of the traffic coming to the website will uh, convert straight through 100%. So they will never talk to a human being. And some of those are actually, you know, at one point in the process, raising their hand, uh, they need help either to figure out which one of the products they should be buying or they have a very simple question about the product they're buying, but a, an advisor will pick up that lead. So essentially the advisor will log into our, to our backend and in the backend, they can see the leads that have been generated and that are assigned to them. And from there, they see a wealth of information, anything that the consumer's already started to complete. So you have age, gender, the product they're looking to buy, when they were on the site, which platform, et cetera, all that. And when they speak to the customer, they can essentially take over the process from there and complete the sale with the customer. And this has been great because for the advisor, you know, for them, it's, it's a new lead. It's a lead that they didn't have to go out and prospect. The organization actually did it for them. And so, you know, I think every advisor is happy to get free leads when possible. So let's, let's go through the advisor experience because predominantly that's the market that I'm talking to. So as you said, the client gets the, the link from wherever else. It looks like they're directed to a white labeled website as a landing page, correct? Yeah. So they get there, what, and then they go through a needs analysis, if that, and then applications all digital. You mentioned on your website, instant decisions. So I'm guessing, you know, it's got the intelligence that they answer the right questions right. They're at the below the right thresholds. There's no need for biologicals. It basically gets issued on site. Fantastic. Uh, tell me about some of the stuff you're learning from the analytics, because you mentioned analytics uh, and product insight as one of the value propositions. So what is that bringing to the table to advisors that they haven't seen before? So think about it this way. So the difference with, and I think this is going to answer your question, but sure. it's not. 
The difference between an advisor going out in the market and trying to sell to an unknown person and what we're doing is that we go out online, right, searching for a certain type of individual based on the product that's being sold. We know the parameters of the products that are offered by our partners. They are designed for a certain type of individual, the younger generation, families between a certain age. And so by the time we find that person and that person comes to the site, the advisor has less work to be done because we've profiled the person for them, right? So we're looking based for- on Based on the marketing effort, yes. uh, the keyword selection you're doing to market, you're basically targeting specific, we'll call them niches or micro niches, right? You're looking for, you know, example is, you know, we'll say young professional women between the ages of like, you know, 22 and 30 and 25, right? Like they have specific needs or whatever it might be. And that message is specific to that niche. And just by clicking on that link to put them through your website, you already know it's a high probability that that person fits that mold. Exactly. And that's the magic, right? And that's a big difference between what's happening in the outside world and the offline world, right? Is that? is that that doesn't really happen that way, right? Because the advisor's meeting someone with very little information and needs to really dig in and understand everything about that individual. Where we're saying, here's a product based for this, this person. Here are people like that that are prone to buy that product. Yeah. And that, that creates some nice magic. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, they say Canada is about 10 years behind the time when it comes to the U.S. You compare this in the U.S. market in a lot of ways. I'd argue in technology, we're even further behind. But the big kind of trend I see emerging from a lot of the gurus is basically they're always telling people to develop their own deep niches, like specifically target one sector and just basically become that expert in that that play. And, you know, the type of, of marketing that they're doing is exactly what you're talking about. They can market specific to that. And when that person arrives, odds are, that they know exactly what those needs are because they've seen it a hundred times over, right? And I think that your type of ability to do that is exactly a, a perfect corollary, a perfect complement to that kind of model. So uh, well done. And I think, I think if anything, as the markets get more competitive and there's more competition as always as things go along, this sort of thinking in Canada is going to be definitely necessary. Yeah, that, that, that's the power of micro-segmentation online, right? Like when you know how to do it and you're successful at doing it and then you find niches and you keep repeating and repeating, it gets really, really strong. Yeah. I mean, like if you want to pay for Google AdWords for financial planning, that's going to cost a fortune. Exactly. You want to pay for Google AdWords for financial planning for, for farmers selling their farm. It's going to be a little cheaper than that. <laughs> so, yeah. And then how do you find them before they're actually online searching? Right. That's even more powerful, right? Because once they're searching, everyone's bidding for them. Right. So how do you yep. find them before that? That's it. That's it. You know, I think now it's like every time I search for any product, I got about 10 paid advertisements before I get to an organic search. Yeah, exactly. Any more and more clouded, right? Yeah. So overall, then um, the reception thus far, so the advisors who've embraced this, I mean, first of all, the advisors who've resisted it, what's been the general resistance point? Is it just a resistance to technology or change or are they are you like, how much blowback are you seeing? Well, I think first, again, it's because they think we're out to eliminate the role, right? Which is yeah. definitely not. And I think the more they... You know, the more they play with it and the more they, they know us and understand what our true motivations are, yeah. then it just, it very quickly goes, okay, yeah, I can try this, right? I, I can, I can give this a shot, right? And then Send this podcast going forward. It'll be, it'll solve other, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's why I'm here. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So, and then as for the ones who've embraced it, feedback generally, how have they, uh, how they said it's transformed their practice or what the impact's been? Well, I mean, I think uh, it's still early days, right? Because uh, we launched, our first client in February of 2018. So to claim that it's completely transformed uh, an organization, I think it's it's that would early. Be pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, that'd be really fast. That'd be really really fast. 
Yeah. But, uh, you know, I think that the reception is positive. They see what value they can get out of this. They're experiencing some value already. I think three to five years from now, hopefully we have transformed organizations, but it's, it's too early to tell yet for that. And in terms of the carriers themselves, like, and, you know, this is, I had to think that because you're giving this kind of end-to-end solution, the data you're providing to them in feedback is something that they've probably never had before. How are they finding the entire experience of, on their end from their side of the modules you built? You're right. You know, they, they've never seen this before. Uh, it's extremely powerful for them to be able to connect the source of that lead all the way to the sale. That's massive. And then even like the, the clickstream data, right, to, to understand what people are doing on a platform, like, they love that kind of stuff. They've never really been able to do that. And you see where applications oh, break down just based on the questions yeah. and where they ask, right? You can see, you know, where their attention's going. It's, you know, you can yeah. constantly iterate that stuff. So we're having impact on the questions that are being asked. And I can give a very specific example. Imagine what it means. So you need to think about what it means to buy on your own versus when you're buying with someone sitting next to you. So have you had cancer in the last three years? Mm-hmm. Right. No. Maybe, <laughs> no. but, but, but people, what we're trying to understand is, was it in the last three years? Yes. Not have you ever had cancer? Exactly. That's the problem, right? The question to do it online is, have you ever had cancer? Yes yeah. or no? Yeah. Was it in the last three years? Yes or no? Yeah. Right. So we're seeing this, this type of behavior because the individual's on their own. And that is really powerful for, for the insurance world, right? Yeah. They're understanding what it means to, to buy like from a mobile device or from a desktop device. Like, the even, the way you ask, even the way you ask that question, right? Have you had cancer? And then, then getting the details, right? Yeah, reducing exactly. the cognitive burden of every question and yeah. only drilling down. I mean, when you look at some of these applications, it's like, have you ever had any coronary issues, including here's 40 conditions? And you're sitting there reading these to the clients. And it's just like, you know, the client probably said no in the first place. Right? Yeah. I just, you know, if you go through the rest of it, that's, that's a lot of extra thinking they have to do and a lot of extra talking yeah. you have to do. Yeah, so it's interesting, right? Because when you're buying a product like this, right? You need to think about, what it means to buy on a mobile phone or on a desktop computer. And I'm, uh, I'm 41, so I remember a world where, like before the internet, right? And as a kid, I remember receiving the catalog, like a Sears catalog or, or whatever catalog, and sort of going through the pages and looking at the toys and circling what I wanted from Santa and all this. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the internet came around, right? And then Sears was like, we need a catalog, we need a website, right? And so they, what did they do? They took the catalog and they put it on the screen. And it was literally, I'm sure you remember this, right? It was oh, like yeah. literally turning the pages of a book. And what they didn't do is consider the medium. And so when we talk about what kind of impact we're having on insurance carriers to the data and all that stuff, it's like, it's really understanding what it means to buy this type of product online and using the data that we're collecting through clickstream and through the things that we're seeing from the consumers and from the advisors and really making this a a a consumer focused experience for buying through digital right not buying through a sheet right and not taking the pdf and putting it on the screen and having someone insert it and have all the questions there for no reason right so this this is really what we're trying to do is reinvent the way it's being sold and purchased through digital and through mobile and through desktop. And so often that is an utter fundamental mistake. And the reason being that without the con- proper consideration of the medium, you just get this terrible experience on, because the medium it originated in was never intended to be responsive, digital, whatever it is, and it breaks. Exactly. And I think there are others thinking this way, of course, and I think we're scratching the surface, but really pouring a lot of energy into all of that and really adapting 
the way it's, it's sold and purchased is, is, is a big, big mission, which you know, we think we can accomplish. Excellent. So before we wrap up, there's a couple of questions that I asked everybody. And uh, just to get you thinking here, but the uh, first one is if you had one wish about something you can change in your company, the industry, whatever it is, what would it be? <laughs> well, it's very, very technical, but like we're located in Montreal and, and hiring is really, really, really difficult right now. We have more work than we can, than we can chew because the opportunity is ripe. And you know, I wish we could hire faster because there's so much that we need to do in so little time and you know i think that uh, the more we wait the more uh, there are people out there that are that are just not getting the protection that they need and so i wish we could change that common refrain find the right people is difficult yeah so, exactly yep and the second question is what's the biggest challenge that you've encountered in starting this company so i'm not going to say hiring again that's definitely one <laughs> one of the big ones you used your I first think, yeah exactly exactly so i'm going to find something different i think like um it's been phenomenally fast. We have crazy traction, but I think that it's an interesting position to be in because just like I said in the early, in the beginning of this conversation, right? Like I saw my father work in this world and I was like, I'm never going to work in that industry for many, many reasons. And, and, and the truth is it's a really exciting industry when you know about it, but educating people about it is a big challenge because on the surface, a lot of people will think that it's faceless organizations and, and like, why would I work in that space? But that, I think there's a massive, massive opportunity to have a big impact on people's lives. And so and sort of getting over that from a company position perspective is, has been challenging for, for us. It's uh, insurance is not the most attractive market in the world for the average person. There's a lot of misunderstanding and there's a lot of distrust. Yep. And I, I blame the yep, exactly. carriers for that. I've yet to have <laughs> Death claim rejected because you're dead, you're dead. But yeah. as for the PNC side, everybody's got a nightmare store. Yeah, agreed. My, myself included. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> so uh, the last question is, what is it about what you're working on that energizes you and gets you out of bed in the morning to keep you going? Now that's an easy one for me. And I, I think I've, uh, I've mentioned it a few times in passing through the whole thing. But for me, the thing that's really driving me is the impact on people's lives that the product we're selling has. And you know, we have a very example, very close to home, right? One of my co-founders, it's unfortunate, you know, in the sense that he, he lost his father at a very young age. I think he was, he was six, but the good news is his parents had great insurance and, you know, his life never changed, right? He went to private school. He, he stayed in the same house. It might have been after work. And so for me, like that, that potential impact of, uh, on people, uh, and I'm a father of two kids, uh, six and nine, and for me, the thought of, of not doing what it takes to protect them if something were to happen to me, it's a very, very scary thought. And so yeah. having uh, that impact is really the, the main driver for me. And obviously, I've got great insurance. And if something were to happen to me, my, my kids would be fine. My wife would be fine. But, but that's really what's driving me. It's like we're not building some, some app you know, to get more Twitter followers or, or something like that. right? We're building a product that really has an impact on people's lives. And it's, uh... It's interesting. I actually just had this conversation with my wife last week. She was together with some friends and somehow the conversation of like insurance came up and she shared like how much we're spending on different types of coverage. And they all looked at her like we were insane. And she came <laughs> yeah. back and said like, you know, no, none of them are actually doing what we're doing. And I said, that's, that's nice that they want to gamble with their family's future that way. But yeah. Know this, it doesn't matter if I get sick, if I can't work, if you, I die, or you for that matter, our kids mm -hmm. will not suffer a day 
and they will basically live the same lifestyle they're currently in. Yeah. One of my best friends, when I told him uh, I was starting this thing, he said, Oh, uh, I'm fine. Like uh, I have, uh, I have insurance through my work and I'm like, oh, well, how much do you have? And he, he told me the number and then his wife doesn't work. He's got a child. And I'm like, dude, like if something happens to you, do you realize what happens to your family? And like, he was white by the end of the conversation. My God, I got to do something. It's amazing how people don't have uh, the knowledge of why this is so important. Yeah. And you know, it's also, I'll also beat up on the banks for this one because the mortgage insurance they offer oh, is yeah. always underwritten at the time of death and not the time of not the time of issue. And it's easy to get out of. Yep. And luckily the CBC yep. did a wonderful expose on this. The only rejections on life insurance I've ever seen are actually on those ones. And it's at the worst possible time. It's actually after the person's gotten sick or died. So yep. it's very, very frightening to see when that actually happens to people. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Lots of work to be done, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. And you got to keep fighting the good fight. So thank That's you for right. your time yet again, Ian. Very much appreciated. I really appreciate it. Thanks no, for the invitation. Okay. Well, take care and best luck to you. All right. Thank you. So that was my interview with Ian Jeffrey. I hope you enjoyed that. Until next time, as always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever to get your podcasts. Those do help in finding people and helping people find the uh, podcast. So I highly encourage it. Until next time, take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or find more episodes at fintechimpact.co.